privilege today to have Brother Steve Damron preaching for us to us in the Sunday School Hour. If you missed that, it'll be online. You should go back and you should listen to it. It'll help you in your Christian life. He's a very practical preacher. He and I share some things in common. We believe that sarcasm is a spiritual gift. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering sarcasm. Uh, but uh, you'll enjoy him. A good Bible preacher, steady, steady, believes in the Word of God. And I appreciate his friendship. Brother Dameron, come preach for us. Talk to us about that table back there, too. That's interesting. Well, thanks, Pastor Bishop, and appreciate the opportunity uh, to be with you today. wanted to mention, if you want to take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And is Zach downstairs? Zach, are you downstairs? So uh, tonight we'll present we'll present him the book because you might not know it, but now Zach is a famous author, but he just did the Ford. So um, I actually have a new cover, so I was going to give him the new cover to my book too. Uh, but I uh, just finished up a book this fall called Sharpen Your Sword. It's all about the Bible, so it's in the back there. And Zach did the forward for me, and, uh, and so I appreciated that, so I wanted to make sure he gets a copy of it, and then gets a copy of my new cover, because you, uh, you can judge a book by the cover, and this cover is very sorry, so I'd appreciate if you'd buy all you can, so then I can get the new, the new improved look, all right? But I wanted to, I'll make sure that Zach has that this evening. We have a number of things in the back. So I am now, uh, in this past September, I moved to Dover, Delaware. I've been in the ministry uh, in Indiana for about 30 years this past February, or a year ago February. And God just kept on shoving, saying, you need to do this work. And so uh, I took some time to pray in Iowa for about five or six months. And I was very close friends with a pastor in Dover, Delaware, and so we called, we spent some time fasting and praying on it, and so this past September we did a relaunch of Independent Baptist Seminary, and it's a standalone seminary. A lot of uh, upper or graduate level teaching and training is tied to a Bible college. Well, this isn't. We don't have a Bible college. This is just Independent Baptist Seminary standing alone trying to uh, offer uh, graduate level programs uh, for pastors, even lay folk uh, that want to just beef up a little bit in their Bible knowledge. So God allowed us to do that. And so our pastor, Pastor Moore, has a number of series. If you still use CDs, uh, some of you younger, um, I don't know if you've ever seen one. You don't know what they look like. You can just come and maybe uh, you can uh, buy an antique uh, back there. Uh, so we have some of those things. And he did a number of series, Why, am I, Why I Am a Baptist. It's a series of 12 messages on why we're a Baptist. He also has a really good one on the King James Bible. It's uh, why, why Do We Use It? Uh, also on Calvinism, Reformed Theology. Uh, is There Right Music? Uh, I did a series on that. So there's a number of those. Uh, I have advanced in technology, so I have a number of sermons on a flash drive. And so those, you just have a little flash drive, and there's in each series, there's 25-plus sermons in each flash drive, and I'm just selling those for $10 uh, because you can just 
uh, you can just grab that, uh, pop it in, and download it, throw it on whatever uh, you have. And then there's a number of other books. Some of the professors that teach for us, uh, we, we have some of their books back there, and God's allowed me to put some books together too. So Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, and we're going to read starting in verse 1 through verse 10. I don't know if you uh, read responsively uh, any, but we're going to try to do that. So let's stand together and we'll read God's word. I'll start in verse 1, follow my lead, and we'll read verse 2. And we'll go down responsively all the way to verse 10. And uh, we'll ask God to bless the time that we have looking at this text here this morning. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples together. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Let's ask the Lord to bless. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can gather here this morning. And Lord, as always, we ask, Lord, for your sanctifying and sustaining grace. We ask for grace to take your precious book. Lord, these folks came to hear from you. And Lord, I would ask that you would push aside all uh, hindrances and things that would move us from not concentrating on the word of God. And Lord, you would be present with us this morning. We ask always that you do that which I cannot do, and that is speak to hearts. We ask and claim your power in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Helen Steiner Rice wrote this, Life without purpose is barren indeed. There can't be a harvest unless you plant the seed. There can't be attainment unless there's a goal and a man's but a robot unless there's a soul. If we send no ships out, no ships will come in. And unless there's a contest, nobody can win. For games can't be won unless they are played and prayers can't be answered unless they are prayed. So whatever is wrong with your life today, you'll find a solution if you kneel down and pray. Not just for pleasure enjoyment and health, not just for honors, prestige, or wealth, but pray for a purpose to make life worth living and pray for the joy of unselfish giving. For great is your gladness and richer reward when you make your life's purpose the choice of the Lord. She named the name of the poem, 
Prayers can't be answered unless they are prayed. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about a royal privilege. We're going to continue with that thought where Christ came and he taught his disciples how to pray. He taught them. So here in this text, if you were to say, man, I've always wondered, how am I supposed to pray? The disciples heard Jesus pray and they said, can you can you teach us that? And Jesus did. And in this text, we are given some helps for our prayer life. And so today we're going to go to Christ and we're going to ask him, please teach us to pray. It's interesting in this passage, because if you go to Matthew chapter six, if you want to turn there, you don't have to. But if you'd like to turn there, Matthew chapter six, you'll see some similar language. And Matthew chapter six. And the first part of that text, he talks about uh, giving alms and so giving. And then in verse five, it says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue. And so Christ then gives them some instructions. And so in Matthew five, six and seven, what do we call that? We call that the Sermon on the Mount. So here's the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, six and seven. But notice, look at verse 9. And after this manner, therefore pray ye. And it sounds very similar. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And it goes through that whole uh, similar thing as verses in our text, Luke 11, 2, 3, and 4. So are these the same passage? We don't believe they are. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount. Many believe, as far as in Bible history, in order to help them remember things. So, hopefully you'll remember this. In Luke chapter 11, they call this the Sermon on the Plains. Alright, so you have the Sermon on the Mount, and then you have the Sermon on the Plains. So, this was Christ praying, though. And that is different than the Sermon on the Mount. So, the Sermon on the Mount, Christ is teaching We have the Beatitudes, blessed is this and blessed is that, blessed are the peacemakers, you have all that. That Jesus is teaching them and giving them different instructions. But here, the disciples are just with Christ, and we see that because verse 1. And it came to pass that as, what does it say? He was praying. So who's the one praying? It's Christ. Can you imagine being there? And hearing Christ pray? Well, the disciples did, and it must have been awe-inspiring. Because what happened? They turned to him and said, Lord, please teach us to do that. Teach us to pray. It was the praying of Christ that stimulated the request that made them to say, Lord, teach us to pray. There's a commentator named Alexander McLaren, and Alexander McLaren wrote some on this text in Luke chapter 11. And he said this, Christ praying fired the disciples with a desire to pray like him. Christ was a great example. He's a great example for you and I today. And thousands of years later, Christ's example still motivates and preaches to you and I as believers that we need more prayer in our life. 
Matthew Henry, another commentator on this text, says, The gifts and graces of others should excite, excite us to covet earnestly the same gifts from above. McLaren again said, Do our prayers move anyone to taste the devotion and joy which breathe through them? If someone stopped this afternoon and heard you pray, would anybody say, I want to do that? Or would they say, I don't think, you know, we jokingly, I don't think your prayer hit the ceiling. We sometimes joke that way. But look what happened with Christ's disciples. They heard Christ pray and they paused and said, I've got to be able to get a hold of God like that. May God help us as we look at this text. So I have three points this morning. In the first part of it, you have the plan for prayer. And we'll try, and we'll try not to get too technical, but in that part of the message, it's a little teachy. Just warning you ahead of time. Uh, so those of you that are in Sunday school, you got your first nap, and this will be your second time to get another nap. All right, so we have the plan. Then we'll have the power, and we see that in the second uh, section that we read in verses 5. Uh, through eight. And then the third point, uh, finding in verse uh, nine and ten and on, you see the persistence that God tells us. So in this text, Christ says, I'm going to teach you. And he said, there's there's a plan and then there's power and then there's persistence. So let's look at the plan. First of all, I believe that the plan for prayer is that it should be something that is done often and done early. And I believe I have Bible to back that up. But Christ in this text helps us. And so I'm going to, again, this is a little more teaching. I'm going to try to give you two different ideas to have a plan for prayer. All right. The first one is just in the text. All right. You can, some people recite this. All right. So there's other religions that have taken the Lord's Prayer, and they basically recite that, and you just recite it, recite it, recite it, recite it, and it's almost vain repetition. You don't even know what you're saying. You're just reciting, reciting. I don't believe that's what Christ was doing here. I believe he was giving a model for prayer. So notice what he says in the text, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So first, in the, the plan, you can take this. I have a pastor friend. He actually takes this, breaks it down, and it's his plan for praying. So he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he takes that and he prays that section. You'd say, so what, is, what does that section mean? Well, first, God is in heaven. I am praying to him. And he's hallowed. That means that there's... He's above me. It's so he pauses and thinks about the names of God. He thinks about how great his God is. I believe that is in the model prayer. I'm pausing and it's prayer is not about me. Prayer is going to a God that is omnipotent, that is all powerful, that is all knowing. Uh, he is my savior. It is it is through Christ that I have the privilege to go in and step into his presence. And so I'm doing and saying, God, it is awesome that I can step into your presence. And you pause there and you just worship God for a little bit. Notice it says, then thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. So what he does is I, I pray also that God even so come quickly. I'm praying for the rapture of the saints. I'm praying, Lord, that you would come and rescue us from this, from this awful world. I'm also asking that his will be done. And part of that is God help me in this life today to be an agent to help you accomplish what you desire in this world. You know, sometimes we're opposing God. Sometimes we're opposing God. And so I'm asking God today, I'm submitting to him and saying, God, help me to further your kingdom. Help me to be an agent to accomplish your will. Then it says, give us day by day our daily bread. God, supply my needs today. Then it says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And so there's a, a double thing here. So I'm asking God, I'm confessing. And, if, and we talked about this, and this is the beauty about being a Baptist. The beauty about being a Baptist, the royal privilege, is that I can directly go to God. I'm telling you what, I am so glad I do not have to confess to man. I would not want to do that. Um, I know one pastor friend that uh, was Catholic growing up, and he said, I don't know uh, how anybody else was. He said, but um, at, after every confession, the last one I said is, Father, forgive me, for I have lied. He said, because I lied every time. There was no way I was going to tell him all that I did. So every time, right at the end, I said, Father, forgive me, for I have lied. He said, and that covered me. Because you know what? I wouldn't be sitting there with some guy and just saying, oh, you know what about this and this? Now, I understand there's a, there's a biblical idea of confession. If I've done somebody wrong, I need to go and get that right. But I need to go to God every day Amen. and ask for forgiveness. But then the other thing, notice there's a, there's a catch to it. As we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. I'm offering forgiveness. And that is the difference that Christianity brings into, into a heart and life. Christians of all people can forgive. We see it. We see sometimes in newspapers and different things like that where somebody, a, a heinous crime is done and they find out they're Christians and in the court, uh, the, the family stands up and they offer forgiveness and people, newspapers, it's newsworthy. It's noteworthy. It shouldn't be newsworthy that a Christian forgives somebody. Is it something we're supposed to do every day? So you notice, this is a plan. So you can take this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's one plan. You can take the model prayer, and you can take it and pray through it. You're pausing, you're praying through it. I do a different plan. I didn't come up with it. But many, many years ago, I think it's decades, there was a man that came up with a, a plan, and it's an acronym. So, And it's a real easy one. So actually, I have a, a prayer app that I use. And in it, one section of my prayer is A-C-T-S. Just that, word, that, that simple acronym. So I'm going to give you that plan. It's one that I've used now for decades. And it helps me. It helps me formulate my plan. Because you notice, Jesus, first of all, what did he say? Have a plan. 
Did you notice? A model. He said, have a plan. The reason some of us don't pray very well is you don't have a plan for it. Oh, it's very easy. And everything else. Now, you tell me, you go to work and you, and your boss says, hey, I want this done. Does he have specifics? Most of the time, yes. Sometimes he'll hand you a plan. We're working on remodeling a house. And this week I was working with an architect and we're coming up with a plan. Now, this is what I can tell you. If a house that basically will not last that long, needs a plan, something that will last and and has an effect eternally has a plan and needs a plan. So I have a plan, ACTS. So what does uh, ACTS mean? First is adoration. Adoration. So what does adoration mean? Adoration is worship. So the first thing normally that I try to do is I pause And I just worship God in my prayer life. That's uh, similar to the model prayer. But I love the names of God. Sometimes I'll pause uh, and just take a name of God. For instance, Abraham, when he was offering up Isaac, he got done. And at the end of the passage, you'll see that he built an altar and he said, Jehovah, or my name, or God's name is Jehovah Jireh. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it is the Lord shall supply. The Lord shall supply. There's another passage in the book of Exodus. And when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they came across the Red Sea and right away, it says within three days, they started complaining because they didn't have water. And they looked over and God led Moses to uh, a group, some water and the water was bitter And he had him cut down a tree. And that tree was thrown into the water and it made the water drinkable again. And at the end of the passage, God came and said, my name is Jehovah Rapha. So guess what Jehovah Rapha means? The Lord is my healer. So there's sometimes in adoration, I just pause and say, God, all right, you're the one who can supply all my needs. You're the one who can heal me. You're the one who is my all in all. You just pause. Sometimes you can take a hymn of the faith. Uh, A couple of summers ago, I was able to uh, I was looking through my library and I have a, a large volume of. Most of them we wouldn't recognize, but they are hymns of Isaac Watts. And I grew to love that book. Just reading through it. Because most of his hymns, he's praising and offering up adoration to the Lord. So A is adoration. C is confession. C is confession. So what do we mean by confession? It's pretty easy. In Psalm 32, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. 
So what is confession? It's coming before God, again, not man, and all of us, the Spirit of God prods you as you spend time with Him. Oh, He's done it. He's done it to me. He does it almost every day. And He says, Hey, you said this. You shouldn't have said it. You did this. You shouldn't have done that. And every day, I want a clean slate for God. The beauty is, in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins. And as you confess that sin, it's, it's adoration, it's worshiping God, it's confessing. You know what happens to your soul? God just floods it again with joy. That's what happens. So it's confession. The third one is very similar, you might say, to adoration. The letter T is thanksgiving. You know, many times we forget to say thank you. I read a funny story many years ago. Uh, there was a guy named Henry, and Henry was looking really glum and depressed. And so a friend came up to Henry and said, Henry, what, what's the matter with you? You look like you lost your friend. And Henry, just looking down, said, well, what's the matter? I'll tell you what's the matter. Remember two weeks ago, my Aunt Molly died, and she left me $50,000. Like, oh, okay, I don't know how you're... Sad about that. He says, yeah. And he said, remember last week, my uncle David died and he left me a hundred thousand. He said, and nobody died this week and left me any money. You know, I think he's not thankful. He should be thankful. And I think we, we can laugh and say, man, that's silly. He should be thankful. But you and I are very similar. You know, uh, it was a, a couple of years ago, I was going through a really hard time. And I was uh, dealing with a, a relative when we were talking. And there were some really hard things that we were navigating through. And I can remember one morning, God clearly said, in everything, give thanks. I remember going to that relative and sitting down, and we were sitting at a picnic table. I can remember us sitting at a picnic table saying, hey, the Bible instructs us to give thanks. Let's find, let's find some things to thank the Lord for. It changes your perspective when you come to God in thanksgiving, in everything. Give thanks. A missing ingredient in most of our prayer lives is a grateful heart. When we come into the presence of God, we almost are like spoiled brats, spoiled children, demanding of an almighty God that he should do this. That's not a thankful heart. So we have adoration, confession, that's the C. T is thanksgiving and then supplication. So supplication is what most of us think of prayer. It's your list. It's your grocery list. But really, there's a lot of things to pray for and have a plan. So take days. If you have to split it up, you know, there's a lot of things to pray for. So you have a lot of missionaries. I'm not saying that you have to pray for everyone 
every day, but pray for three or four of them. Pray for five or six of them. And every day, take them and pray for them. Do you know missionaries? I have missionary friends. They say one of the greatest things you can do is pray for them. And then, you know what else helps them? Let them know it. Send them an email. Send them a text and say, I prayed for you today. It encourages them. That's that list. It's, it's coming before God and saying, God, these are the things. So in our text here, it says, have a plan. That is the first part. So notice, number two, either the power or the privilege of prayer. Both of them uh, kind of go along with it, the privilege or power in prayer. Notice in our text, it says, which of you shall have a friend? And it gives you a story of somebody that comes to this person and they have a need. And this person, notice it, here's, you're kind of removed. So this person is the need. Here is this person that they come to. This person doesn't have it, so they go to this person. Okay? It reminds me in some ways, and it's not, it's not an exact thing, but remember Christ is trying to teach us. It's trying to teach us that sometimes this person will come to this person and they can't fulfill the needs, so they have to go to another person. It reminds me some of a mediator. Reminds me some. And that reminds me of the person we can go to. Sometimes someone will come to me. Someone will come to you. And you don't have the ability to meet the need. So guess what you can do? You have somebody. You can step into the presence of God and say, somebody came to me and I can't fulfill the need. But God, I need you to help them. So that's called intercessory prayer. In the Bible, you read about intercessory prayer and you'll see that especially Paul talks about intercessory prayer and how we're supposed to pray for others and how we're lifting up others unto God. You know why? Because there are needs. Every one of you have needs. Well, why wouldn't you want somebody else to pray for you? Well, if that's true, if somebody comes to you, why won't you pray for them? And you're not saying that I can do it, but what I can do is I can go to God. But notice the power available in the prayer. Notice what it says in verse 8. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. Now that word importunity, there's there's a debate on what that means. But in the text you can sense that... This man that is in his house and it's after midnight, he doesn't want to get up. And it's pretty clear that that is a representation of God. It's pretty clear it's a representation of God. And remember, this is Christ talking. Now, I and and again, this is a great debate in theology when it comes to prayer. And the Calvinists don't like it because God... Has everything set in motion? They're almost deist, all right? And it's he just set the world in motion, and everything is you know gonna happen. That's gonna happen. So you don't have to witness, and you don't have to do this and this. But this passage throws them for a loop, and the reason is that Jesus is the one talking about it, and he's saying that the man doesn't want to get out of bed. And in the story, it's a representation of God. But what does God do? Get up and meets the need. 
Now, I don't understand it all, even in the theology world. I don't understand why God would listen to me. But he does. And he wants to answer my prayer. It's the power that God has given us as a believer. It is true that we can move God. It has happened in history. It has happened in life. It has happened, it has happened through the, the last decade. It has lasted through the last century. But we have the ability to move a God. I don't understand that. Because if I was God, I'm like, why would I listen to you? I don't like you. You're ugly. You smell. You talk funny. All right, I don't like you. But God says, you know what? Come to me. Pray. And he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to talk with us. And he also says, come with your hard request. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That is our God that we can go to. See, that's the power in prayer. It amazes me what God can do. I know um, in, in, the last, in the last six months, I've said this. The, the hardest thing that God has asked me to do has been in the last six months. To move from what I've known. I, I, I knew youth work. I knew pastoring. But there really isn't a manual out there how to start a seminary. It's not really, I don't know, maybe, maybe you got one. All right. But there's not, and especially independent Baptists. And independent Baptists don't really like seminary. It's not been real popular. The Southern Baptists have them. Uh, the Reformed people have them. But independent Baptists, but in the history of America, guess what? And guess what Baptists have been involved in way back? Seminaries. I believe that some we, we did it wrong. Right? So I studied it a lot. I've been involved in it for over 10 years as far as researching it. And I believe it's because we forgot some of our tenets as far as local church. And so God's led me to do this. And it's been hard. September and October, I, I'm telling you, there was days uh, I wish I wasn't a Christian and I could just find somebody and shoot them. No, I'm just joking. All right. But I'm just I'm like, this is ridiculous. How do you do this? And so I would just go to God. Say, God, you got to help. You got to guide. You got to show me what to do. You got to show me the next step. And it's hard. I journal. I journal usually every month. It's hard for me to list out all the prayers that God has answered. Because that's our God. You can go to Him at any time and you can say, God, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. And you know what? God gets up and He answers. That's our God. That's the, that's the power available to us. So we have the plan, the power. But then notice in our text, starting in verse 9. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, do you think, verse 10, that Christ didn't realize what he said? 
Didn't he just say, ask, seek, and knock? And in verse 10, Christ is like, just so you know, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So why did he repeat it? In the Bible, there is nothing in the Bible that's by accident. When it's repeated and repeated closely, it's for emphasis. So he's saying, ask and seek and knock. And those of you that don't like English, English is very important. This is in the present tense. So what does that mean? It's continual. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Ask and seek and knock. So what does that instruct us? It tells us to be persistent. Persistent. We shouldn't stop. Notice in verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So what is this saying? Be persistent and ask and seek and knock. Why? Because our heavenly father, who has no evil, his desire is to bless us. Now, it is not the prosperity gospel. I despise the prosperity gospel that has swept through not just America, but across the world. In many third world countries, the prosperity gospel has ruined people because the idea is that basically if I pray, a million dollars drops them to my bank. That's not what God promises you. What he promises you, though, notice even in this text, he says, if you ask, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Right there is a reference. And I'll pause here. It's a reference for salvation, I believe. Because upon salvation, we get the Holy Spirit. So there's a reference. If you today do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the first prayer you should do is the sinner's prayer. Amen. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that Christ, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have the Holy Spirit. You can be saved with just the sinner's prayer this morning. You can have the Holy Spirit. That's that's referenced right here. But if after salvation, God doesn't say, I saved you, now go your way. No, his desire is to have a relationship with us. What is what hinders us from having relationship with God? Sin. Sin separates us. We see that in Genesis chapter three and Genesis chapter four. It separated man from God and he needed a solution. And it was Christ. And because of Christ now, when I accept, I do the sinner's prayer, I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. I can step into his presence and God doesn't say after I'm saved, now get out of here. You little rug rat. I saved you. I adopted you in my family. Now go to your room. 
No, he desires a relationship. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God came down every day and walked in the garden and he wanted to have a relationship with Adam and Eve. He still desires that. And that happens through prayer and Bible reading. That's communication with God. I talk with God through prayer and he talks, uh, talks to me through his word. Amen. It's the communication. So I pray humbly. Here in this passage, it talks about us knocking. It's interesting that uh, one man in studying uh, this passage said that that referenced not a, you know, not somebody that was of high rank knocking on a door, but it, it represented a, a beggar uh, knocking on the door of a superior. And that's how you and I come. I don't come to God demanding. I don't come to God as though I deserve it. I come humbly coming to God because God allows me into His presence. Amen. But I come humbly. But I also can come with certainty. Because that is what the, the verse says. I can come boldly unto the throne of grace. So I ask you this morning, here in the text, Christ taught us to pray. He said, have a plan. Maybe you don't. I pray that it helped you. Just going through some of that simple, some simple ideas. Most of us spend more time planning your meals than you do in planning your prayer life. And you wonder why your prayer life, and it has zero effect. Zero effect. And I ask you this morning, so when's the last time you saw an answer to prayer? According to this text, God wants to do it. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants a relationship. So have you seen an answer to prayer? Then go to Him, have a plan. Christ said, don't just have that. See the power in prayer. This isn't something that is just weak. It's not something that's just made up. This is Christ talking to us and He's saying we have the ability to step into God's presence and we, in essence, can move God. So get at it. Ask and seek and knock. And if you forgot, Christ says again, ask and seek and knock. Let's get at this business of prayer. Peter Marshall, once the chaplain of the U.S. Senate, said this, O Lord, forgive us for thinking that prayer is a waste of time and help us to see that without prayer, our work is a waste of time. Lord, teach us to pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. I would ask you, maybe God dealt with you in some area of your life when it comes to prayer. Maybe God dealt with you and said, you know, 
You need to have a plan, a better plan. Maybe God said, maybe you've forgotten the power that's available in prayer. Or maybe you haven't been persistent. You've quit. First thing I'd like to ask, and I won't embarrass you, but if you'd be here today and you said you talked about a sinner's prayer, I don't know what that is. <laughs> According to the Bible, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And if we don't have a time where we cried out to God and trusted Him, as we said, that thou believe in thine heart, the Lord Jesus, God hath raised Him from the dead. And you say, I don't have a time where I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know a time that I called out. I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. If you'd say this morning... Would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm on my way to heaven. I, I'm not sure about that. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? I won't embarrass you, but I'd, I'd just like to pray for you. Is there anybody like that? You'd slip up your hand and say, please pray for me. Anybody like that? They're here this morning. Say, pray for me. What about as a Christian here this morning? Did God touch your heart in some area of your prayer life? And say, pray for me. All right, thank you. Thank you. All of the auditorium. May God help us to be people of prayer. God bless, Lord, the invitation time. Pray that you would do your work. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of the privilege it is to pray. Thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Standing with heads bowed, eyes closed, Pastor Bishop will.